It is with great reluctance that I announce the indefinite suspension of the Ultimate Warrior. This suspension is a direct result of the Ultimate Warrior's failure to appear as advertised last weekend in Indianapolis, Detroit, and Pittsburgh. Don Michaels and Ahmed Johnson, you're bluffing. July 21st, International Incident, I promise you this. The three members of Camp Cornet are going to take real good care of the two of you because you're coming <laughs> to a gang fight and you're forgetting to bring your own gang. Oh, yeah! <laughs> All right, thank you very much. Let's take you out of Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, standing by. Gentlemen, we're running out of time. Yeah, Whom have you chosen? Jim Cornette, we don't bluff. This is the World Wrestling Federation. Boy, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, and you should have folded. Surprise, surprise. Look what we have for Camp Cornette. My, my. Psycho shit! Man, you're looking at me! And you're probably asking yourself, Sean Michaels, what have you got and done? Hello, my name is Bob Bamber and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. We're going back in the time machine to July of 1996, volume 2 of this month's show. Volume 1 covers a huge month of WCW action. The, Hulk, the, uh, the heel turn of Hulk Hogan, a two-hour, 50-minute-long show. You already listened to that. Well done. Volume 3 is ECW, looking at just all your ECW action. That's Dal and Chris on that side of things. And Volume 4, me, Tom and Chris White go to the land of the USC, uh, reunion USC 10, including the debut of Mark Coleman. We're here in Volume 2 to discuss the WWF, including the international incident. I'm being joined firstly by Wayne Lifter. Wayne, good afternoon. Afternoon, Bob. And Del Muir. Hi, Bob. Del, starts off with the news. Yep, uh, Ultimate Warrior. He was suspended this month by the WWF after failing to appear at a series of live events at the end of the last month. The issue seems to be the straw that broke the camel's back, really. Quite a few stories coming out, kind of bubbling under the, the surface with Warrior, just regarding his general relationship with the company. Um, on TV, Warrior's absence was pretty much presented as a shoot with Gorilla Monsoon, um, saying that he would only be allowed to return if he posted an appearance bond when it's rumoured to be in six figures. Warrior was replaced at live events and in the In Your House main event by Cycle Sid. By the end of the pay-per-view, Sid was almost the biggest baby face in the company. Such was the reaction he received. He said that the company did call Bret Hart, asking him to return for the spot, but he declined. Bret is advertised to wrestle on a tour to South Africa in September, but even that may be an error. He's telling people he may not return at all this year. He's not currently on the contract. And totally in your house, a massive 15,000 crowd in Vancouver for... Pretty much a, a largely forgettable show. Um, the main event saw the, the team of Vader, British Bulldog and Owen Hart defeating Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson and the aforementioned Sid. That was when Vader pinned Shawn, thanks to help from Jim Carnett. Um, elsewhere, the Body Donners beat the Smoking Guns in an untitled tag match and Mankind defeated Henry O'Godwin, who was filling in for the injured Jake Roberts. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin defeated Mark Merrill and The Undertaker beat Goldust by disqualification. That was after an unsighted mankind pulled him from under the ring. To prevent more situations like Hall and Nash leaving the company, Vince McMahon is reportedly trying to get talent to sign five-year contracts before pushing them. A few months ago, Shawn Michaels signed a five-year deal, 
and other talents such as the British Bulldog are being pressured to sign similar deals. Hunter Hurstelm was the push is expected to resume, now he's committed to a three-year deal also. But the 1-2-3 kid has been granted his release. He's actually expected to join the New World Order in WCW. And talking of departures, one arrival this month was Ron Simmons, who was brought into the fold alongside Sonny. He's now been billed as Farouk Assad, and he'll be facing Ahmed Johnson at next month's SummerSlam. Crush is being brought back to the company, apparently, remember him? Um, he's playing off his real-life conviction, and apparently he's going to be represented going forward by Clarence Mason. There are also rumours regarding the company bringing in two cold Scorpio. Alongside being all over television, Jim Cornette has been making the news this month. Firstly, it's said all of the angles involving him and Jose Lafario are leading to Cornette booking himself into September's pay-per-view main event in a tag match. It's said that real issues with Shawn Michaels boiled over at a live event in Anaheim. Cornette tripped when taking a super kick, and Michaels missed the kick, leaving Shawn feeling he'd double-crossed him. And on to the ratings for the month. On July the 1st, Nitro did a 3.3 to Raw's 2.6. On July the 8th, the night following the Bash at the Beach, Nitro did a 3.5 to Raw's 2.5. July 15th, Nitro did a 3.4 to Raw's 2.6. July 22nd, which I think is when the Olympics coverage started, Nitro did a 2.6 to Raw's 2.2. That was after In Your House on Hampshire 9, 29th next month. It is with great reluctance that I announce the indefinite suspension of the Ultimate Warrior. This suspension is a direct result of the Ultimate Warrior's failure to appear as advertised last weekend in Indianapolis, Detroit, and Pittsburgh. This suspension will be immediately lifted, however, as soon as the Warrior posts an appearance bond to ensure WWF fans that he will appear where advertised. However, the Ultimate Warrior is here tonight, as promised, and will wrestle Owen Hart. We remain hopeful that the Ultimate Warrior will soon post an appropriate appearance bond and return to action here in the World Wrestling Federation. Despite the immense popularity of the Ultimate Warrior, no one wrestler is above answering to our loyal WWF fans. We open up Raw on July the 1st with Shawn Michaels against Marty Jannetty. The match takes the better part 15 minutes. Shawn wins with the sheet switching music. Leaf Cassidy attacks him straight after the match, but Shawn super kicks him. Jim Cornette jumps in the ring, but Shawn sees him coming, so he stops. Jose Lothario then floors Cornette with the right hand. We see an in-ring segment from Superstars. Sonny leads Phidias on, asks him to close his eyes and bend in for a kiss before slapping him. The other members of the Godwin family help run off the smoking guns. They corner Sonny before Phineas threatens to slop her. Hesitates for slopping her anyway. Segment was worth it for Vincent Mann saying, Look at that, big chunks and all. Jake Roberts is out on commentary for a match between Mankind and Duke Druzy. Raw spends the entire match rubbing on him. Mankind wins with the mandible claw. Bickering between Lawler and Roberts turns sour. Lawler slaps Roberts and Roberts chokes him out. Mankind comes over after the match and puts him in the mandible claw. Roberts, that is. Jim Ross invites people to call the WWF Superstar line to find out, quote, why the Ultimate Warrior is in the doghouse. Steve Austin is out on commentary for a match between Mark Merrow and Goldust. We get some interaction ring time between Marlena and Sable. Merrow gets distracted by it all and Goldust wins the match. 
We open up July the 9th with Gorilla Monsoon in his office announcing the suspension of the Ultimate Warrior following him missing some live events. His suspension will be lifted if he pays his appearance bond, which is basically a shoot. whole thing is a bit awkward as the first match taped for the show is Ultimate Warrior against Owen Hart. The set of changes clearly threw the entire show out of whack, causing commentary to be retaped and new studio segments to be spliced in. Cut to the first of many cuttings throughout the show. Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson in a studio. They say their surprise third partner is on his way. Paul Dog walks out to ringside during the match, right as Warrior is starting to stir. Warrior hits a solid charge. Bulldog runs at Warrior and the ref calls for the DQ. Convenient, given that they've now suspended him, was that Bulldog, Vader and Owen end up beating Warrior in the post-match angle. That all worked out quite nicely. Brian Pillman tries to attack Savio Vega during his entrance. Mr. Perfect phones in, but doesn't really seem to go anywhere. Vega defeats Justin Hawk Bradshaw, but Bradshaw and Zebekiah attack him after the match with a cowbell, and they brand him. The main event is Vader and Bulldog versus the Godwins. Cornette is on commentary being his usual self. Henry O catches Vader for a running crossbody in the corner and plants him with a slam in the middle of the ring in a highly impressive spot. Bulldog wins it with a running power slam on Phineas. We return from commercial, we're back in the studio with Sean and Ahmed, and they unveil Psycho Sid. Cornette, as you'd expect, is apoplectic. Sid cuts his usual balmy, shouty, whispering promo, all credits how they put that together after the show had been taped, that all worked out quite well. First up on July the 15th, uh, Bart faces Ahmed Johnson for the Intercontinental title. Sonny counts her chickens by thinking about all the titles she could have by the end of the night. Bart works Johnson's arm around the ring post and Pence's Shawn Michaels is shown on the split screen. Ahmed hits the spine buster before the Pearl River plunge and that's that, thankfully. Sable attempts accompanies Mark Merrow to the ring and Goldust Usher gives her another gift, which the wild man discards. T.L. Hopper, or Kevin Sullivan the plumber, comes out to face him. It's not actually Kevin Sullivan, obviously. Uh, King calls T.L. a walking anti-drug campaign. Just say no to crack. Stone Cold gets the split-screen treatment and says that Mero is due a receipt for busting his mouth last month. A bored crowd tried to start a sable chant and Mero hits a quick left-right for the win. Vince introduces a music video for The Undertaker, How Philadelphia. His theme music gets the makeover treatment with flashes of gold dust and mankind midway through. Very nice production. Vince passes on sympathies to the Hart family for the tra- tragic passing of Brett and Owen's 13-year-old nephew. Shawn Michaels defeats Billy Gunn in the main event. We cut backstage for an interview with Johnson and Michaels, but Cornette cuts in. He soaks Shawn with a soda as the two run after him. Camp Cornette jumped them in the parking lot. This then gets interrupted by Psycho Sid, who speeds across screen in his car uh, and rounds in some wooden pallets and bins. And the six run away, or sorry, the three of them run away as we roll titles. Welcome back, everyone, to more Monday Night Raw. Jim Cornette back in the locker room area. You don't seem too upset over whom Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson are going to choose as a partner. Why would I be upset? It's been a real productive night for Camp Cornette because the Ultimate Warrior's out of the picture in more ways than one. And Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson, they're just bluffing. They're trying to buy time. They ain't got no partner. They don't have anybody do the Jimmy. Of course not, King, because <laughs> nobody in our right mind would step into that spot to be their partner in that six-man tag. After what we just did a little while ago to the Warrior, right. I happen to know that all the WWF superstars, they already have prior commitments. Yeah. So nobody in our right mind would step into it. All the other guys are taken. So Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson, you're bluffing. July 21st, International Incident, I promise you this. The three members of Camp Cornette are going to take real good care of the two of you because you're coming to a gang fight and you're forgetting to bring your own gang. Oh, yeah! (laughs) 
All right, thank you very much. Let's take you out of Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, standing by. Gentlemen, we're running out of time. Yeah, Whom have you chosen? Right. Jim Cornette, we don't bluff. This is the World Wrestling Federation. Boy, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, and you should have folded. Surprise, surprise. Look what we have for Camp Cornette. My, my. Psycho what? shit! Man, you're looking at me! And you're probably asking yourself, Shawn Michaels, what have you got and done? Yeah, twice. He's opened the gates of hell, and he's released me. This time for you, Cornette, and the Cornette camp. There's nothing. There's no good news. I can hear you. I can hear you screaming out for help. For help. But there's no one there. <laughs> I'd much rather be on this team, believe me. There's no one there. Thank you, gentlemen, and Jim Cornette. Put the camera back on me. What are you trying to do to me? Girl, I'm on soon. Somebody try to do... And we move on to In Your House International Incident. We'll start with the free-for-all. We're in Vancouver, and there is a lot of people in the building. 15,000, as we said in the news. We have with Justin Hawke Bradshaw against Savio Vega. Bradshaw catches Vega in a crossbody, pl- plants him, and puts his feet on the bottom ropes for the win. Afterwards, they brand him. We then follow that with a really nice video feature on The Undertaker. We move on to an in-ring debate between Jim Cornette and Jose Lothario, shares by Jim Ross. Cornette goes through the usual before saying he would knock Lothario out if he ha- lays a hand on him tonight. Things break down. Cornette goes to hit Lothario with a tennis racket. But Jose ducks and lays him out with a punch. Vader comes out, backs Cornette towards the corner. Shawn Michaels storms out in a chase and manages to slide so far across the ring he ends up stopping between the pair over the other side of the ring, which is very good. We get backstage, Cornette says he's going to offer a money-back guarantee if Count Cornette lose the refunds on him. And we move on to the pay-per-view itself. Del, he can kick us off with the results. Yep, first up, Bob, we've got the non-title tag matches between the Bonnie Doras, Skip and Zip, and they beat the Smoking Guns, Billy and Bart. Uh, Mankind defeated Henry O'God when Stone Cold Steve Austin beat Mark Merrill, who was accompanied by Sable. The Undertaker beat Goldust by disqualification after Mankind came up from under the ring. And in the main event, Camp Cornette, which was Vader, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog, they defeated the People's Posse, which was Shawn Michaels, Psycho Sid and Ahmed Johnson, accompanied by Jose Lothario. Wayne, thoughts on the show? It was a bit hit and miss. Um, I thought it really showed that the the undercard of the WWF is is quite poor at the moment. Um, but um, you know, I thought that main event was uh, was something that probably saved the, the whole pay per view. No. Um it's the issue to be on with these in your house people. Use Bob the kind. I just it's nearly like a placeholder where you're getting a shorter show, you're getting a cheaper buy. It fills a place in the month if you're looking to pay for WWF actions. A couple of good bits in the middle of it, but overall you weren't missing much. No, um, it was the thing I said last month. It was, what risk do you run putting six of your biggest acts in one match, on a, uh, even on a five-match card? Um, the answer is quite a lot. Uh, Jake Roberts was on the show. He was injured, we think. Um, I, I know at the time of... Uh, of the show itself, they weren't too sure where he is, but they're explaining it on TV, and I understand that it was just a matter of him having a, a rib problem. So that's all fine. Um, but yeah, um, just an entirely, entirely forgettable undercard. Um, and then a, a very good main event, coupled by I one of the most astonishing reactions for Psycho Sid. I don't <laughs> know. We'll come to it when we get there, but I don't know what... 
you know, were people being told beforehand, just, you know, SID's over, pass it on? Was that the, was that the memo going around Vancouver on the day of the show? I've got no idea, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. But we start the pay-per-view with the smoking buns, the smoking buns, the smoking guns, Billy and Bart with Sonny. Sonny that half smoking buns. Well, that, that true, that true. Uh, Billy and Bart with Sonny versus the body donors, Skip and Zip. Cloudy is no more. Yes, after one month. They've already dropped that one. We start with a double team back body drop on Billy. The guns are in group. The body don- donors double team Bart. Skip hits a nice head scissors on Billy, but Billy comes off the ropes with a rocker dropper. All four men go to the, on their own sides of the ring. Sonny takes a dive and then pretends to collapse. Not, not like a dive, she just fell over. Not like a suicide dive or anything like that. Skip goes over to check on her. She slaps him and the gun's running over with a double team. Close line. A bit of heat in the match, but boy was that spot convoluted. Bart slams Skip into the turnbuckle. He hits hard. They then repeat the spot. Skip goes off the top and Bart catches him in a lovely power slam. Bart holds Skip in a wheelbarrow position on the top rope. Billy attempts to leapfrog him, but Billy can't make it. They stop and look at each other, and that elicits a laughter from the crowd. Skip is getting hammered here. Zip isn't able to get involved. Skip gets a roll-up, then hits a crossbody from the second rope. He stands up, attempting a tag, but Bart just runs him over. Billy comes off the top. Skip catches him in an atomic drop. Bart picks up Zip for the sidewalk slam. Skip comes off the top with a drop kick. Zip lands on top of Bart and pins him for the win. And in my notes, because I wasn't paying attention, I just assumed everything. Apparently, this isn't for the tag titles, and I've got no idea why. Wayne? Yeah, that's that's my first thoughts straight away, is they announced it was a non-title match coming out, and, you know, I, I just didn't understand why at all. Um, I mean, I understand that the body donors probably needed to get the win to end this feud, Um but uh, and, and they didn't want to put the titles uh, on on the body donors, but you know there could have been another way of going going around it rather than having a non-title match. And you know talking about the guns, I'm I'm not buying them as a as a heel tag team at all. They show no personality. If they, if Sonny wasn't with them, I won't believe that there was uh, there was a heel tag team in, in in the first place. The match itself, I thought it was a little dragged out. I'm, you know, a few few botches, one one big botch with the uh, with the leapfrog. Um, but you know, I've seen better from these two teams. The only thing I did like was was probably the finish, which uh, uh, nice um, n- nice move from from Skip there. But um, you know, at the end, you know, raises questions over the smoking guns with the arguing and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I didn't enjoy this at all. Yeah, it's all a bit weird. You've got the smoking guns who are a, a heel tag team that probably should be a babyface tag team. And the body donors who are a babyface tag team that probably should be a heel tag team. Um, that doesn't really make any sense, Del. I'd I'd love to help you, Bob, but I'm genuinely coming out to ask for more questions than answers. Why why are the roles as they are? The smoking guns, they're a couple of handsome fellas. They they should be kinda of good guys. As you say, the the body donors, I I just don't think anybody cared about them and I don't really know if they should have. Um it was it was just really strange that the red flag for me was the non-title match before it got uh, before it got underway. You just knew the body donors were going to win it. I don't know when Harvey Whippleman became a referee. Um, I, the full thing just kind of confused me really. And that bit in the middle with the stuttered kind of leapfrog attempt for the gun is just kind of summed it up for me. Well, Dave Meltzer reckoned that it was a spot that was designed to kind of, you know, to lay the foundation for a breakup of the guns. 
I just thought they fucked it up. That's a very positive outlook. I was going to say that was, you know, that's a that's a very kind of rose-tinted way of looking at things. I mean, he may be right, um, but it just looked like they fucked up a move because there was no, you know, they didn't look at each other as if to say, "Oh, let's lay the seeds of a breakup." They kind of looked at each other and went, "Yeah, we fucked that up." Um, and then, you know, the crowd started laughing, which wasn't the great. <laughs> this match was awful. I mean, the whole thing with the tag division is awful. I said that before on, the, on this show, and it's it's been the same for God knows how long. Um, but I just, you know, at least when these guys, when the guns are baby faces, the body dons are heels. It's like, well, the guns aren't very good, but they're unlikable acts. The body dons aren't very good, but they're 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 a detestable act to one degree or another. And now you've got the other way around. It's like, well, I don't really care about the guns as heels. I don't really care about the body dons as baby faces. Sonny, I think, has jumped the shark in terms of I don't think Sonny is a a, a worthwhile act anymore. I know that, you know, we talk about them, them splitting up Sonny with the guns. We'll get to the end of the month and we, we may well end up getting there just by the way they're going. Um, but it just didn't work. It was an awful match. Um, and yeah, like it, it, it's weird. We've had quite a few occasions this year. The free for all or the opening match has been the tag, the, the, the tag match. It's invariably been a title match. We get a show that is desperate for some, you know, something on the undercard ahead of the main event. And it's not a, you know, it's not a tag title match. I mean, I, I think, I think the logic is, is that on a card where Steve Austin a heel is going to be winning, Mankind a heel is going to be winning, and The Undertaker is going to be winning but only by disqualification, and the main event, the heels are going to be winning. They didn't want to change the titles, but they wanted to have a babyface victory. But, there's other ways of doing it. I just couldn't care about these two teams. Um, he, he, listen to me on previous shows about WWF Tag Team Division. It's not really worth talking about. Uh, we get a promo backstage with Camp Cornette, and Vader is tearing things up. We move on next to Mankind versus Henry Godwin with Hillbilly Jim. Uh, Godwin is a late replacement with Jake Roberts. Mankind doesn't really know what to make of Godwin and Hillbilly Jim. Godwin rocks him with some rights and hits him with a slam and sends him over the top. Mankind, Mankind starts to go up the R-way then thinks better of it. Mankind hits a running bulldog then an elbow. He follows that with a leg drop on the apron before pulling the matting up at ringside. Then hits a swinging net breaker on the concrete. Godwin runs over Mankind with a clothesline. Mankind gets on the apron but Godwin slams him onto the exposed concrete. Mankind is trying to kill himself again. Mankind blocks a slop drop then goes for a mandible claw and this one is all over. Del. I really thought, I'm so happy for Mick Foley that he's getting a national audience, but I really thought when he was coming to New York, these kind of big bumps and diving for aprons onto the concrete, I thought that might be kind of, not neutered, but at least calmed down a wee bit. Um, I, I do worry for that, man. Um, I, I, I was a wee bit worried coming into this, where they were going with his new kind of character, I didn't know why they were maybe trying to ruin him with this kind of deranged gimmick, he's fighting Henry Godwin, I don't know when the hell Henry Godwin became a substitute for even a 1996 Jake the Snake um, it, was a, it, it was a match that kind of felt as if it was just building to what we would obviously see with Mankind later on Henry Godwin did show a couple of good things in it, there was a nice double leg takedown film. Um, apart from that, there wasn't really much in this, but as I say, I'm just glad to see Mankind moving on to something bigger and better with the looks of it. Why? 
Yeah, the match itself, uh, you know, wasn't wasn't great. You know, I think the best uh, the best they could probably do at short notice. But again, I think that just shows the the weaknesses in 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 the roster at the minute and shows how bad that the uh, that the mid card or undercard is because um, you know <laughs> pulling uh, pulling Hog out of a tag team into a singles match to to replace Jay the Snake Roberts is. Uh, is, is 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 not something that you'd, uh, you'd you'd really want to see. But I thought Mankind got a got a good match out of him. To be fair, um, made him look quite strong. Um, yeah, Luke, the match was there to, uh, to to build Mankind up and and put the mandible claw uh, claw over even uh, even further um, further. But uh, but yeah, no, it was uh, it was a bit of a, another poor match. But uh, you know, I'm I'm liking how this uh, where this Mankind character is going. Now, why is Mankind trying to kill himself? I don't know, and he's, he seems determined. I mean, if, as I say, if you would have thought when they get to the kind of big lights of the WWF, it might have kind of calmed him down a wee bit, but at least for fuck's sake, Mac, try and do it in something that somebody cares about. No against a, no against a hog farmer. It's like, try and make it in a bigger stage, but bless his heart, you can never fault him for trying. You can't, but you can question his IQ for doing it on such an irrelevant stage. I mean, match two of a show that probably a hundred thousand people, if that, have bought. Mm. Like, I mean, what you know? Like for for us, it didn't. It wasn't even a spot that meant anything. No. Like you know, it was a massive spot. It's probably the biggest spot of the entire show. And you got up two minutes later and won the match. Like it's just, I don't get it. I, no. I don't. I don't get what you what the thinking is. Like I, I don't think. I don't think anyone was any better off doing the move. It was a sickening thud. I mean, yeah. it was a, you know, it was, Mankind was on the apron, kind of like his, his kind of shuffle, running, shuffle forward to do a jumping attack. Godwin catches him and flips him onto his back, and he just lands back just first. right I mean, in the concrete, man. It was sick. I don't know. Wayne, any thoughts on that? Yeah, no more. Let's, uh, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head with, uh, with picking your moments on, on spots. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather they didn't do them full stop. Um, but if you're gonna do it, like do it in front of an audience and do it on a show that matters in a match that matters. This wasn't any of those things, other than the the people in attendance. But it wasn't even a spot that people reacted to. It was just there. Anyway, yeah. anyway, move on. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Wild Man Mark Marrow. We start with a quick exchange of punches and a fast crossbody from Marrow. Marrow starts working the arm. Austin counters into a side headlock. Marrow ahead scissors. Mara bridges out the pin into a backslide battle. Mara hits a double axe handle off the apron, then a reverse roll-up using his legs. Austin gets Mara on the outside and sets for a catapult into the ring post. It was too close and it didn't really work. Austin drops an elbow from the second rope, then locks in a modified camel clutch. Austin goes for a powerbomb. Mara hangs on and head scissors, uh, hangs on and head scissors Austin over the top. Meanwhile, King gets a gift from Goldust Helper in an envelope. Mario does a rolling running senton onto Austin onto the floor. Around the other side of the ring, it's a standing moonsault from the apron to the floor. It's a sting sock splash back into the ring for a two, then a ten punch in the corner. Austin pushes him off and crops him on the top rope. Austin goes for a stunner, but Mario blocks it on the top rope. Mario hits a slingshot later up for a two. Austin sets it back up, hits a stunner, and that will do that. A lot of cheers for that one. Wayne. Uh, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed this match. This is where it picked up a little bit on the uh, on, on the pay per view. Uh, you know, we had a, a nice quick start between the two of them. A uh, bit of Matt wrestling from um, from from Steve Austin. Um, now, these two guys, you know, we, we saw at King of the Ring that they had a really good uh, really good showing, and I, I think they've had a 
match, uh, one of the WCW pay-per-views together, but I'm not quite sure if they've had many battles against each other, but they've got really good chemistry between themselves, and uh, I like how they p- played homage to the storyline of last month where he um, burst the lip of, uh, of Steve Austin. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, it was a really good match throughout, good finish. Um, on the Stone Cold Steve Austin gimmick, though, is he not meant to be playing someone who shows no emotion? Because there was times there where he was laughing, and uh, and other times where he was showing different emotions within his face. So if he is meant to be playing this kind of character, I'd only look uh, down south for Dimalenko as an example, and and using the Iceman gimmick. If you if you want to go down that route, that's probably the route you need to go to. But maybe I'm just being a bit too picky. Isn't it more a character that has you know? It's not uh, no emotion. It's just you know no empathy. Isn't it more that kind of thing where like it's not that they lack emotion they just lack you know compassion for their opponents isn't that more what it is well it could be but Jim Ross on commentary actually um, confirmed it when he, he said those words you know Stone Cold okay. Steve Austin doesn't show any emotion so it was uh, that's that, that was where I picked it up from and uh, and you know that's that's where my thoughts come from no arguments with that Del I'm more on your side Bob when it comes to, to Stone Cold I know we call him Stunning Steve but he has he is different to what we've seen with Stun and Steve. Um, he turned up on ECW, you seen him with a buzz cut and he looked different. Now you see him with a skinhead. Somebody that's in ECW, they're trying to kind of pattern after somebody's Devon Dudley who's meant to be like a Sam Jackson in Pulp Fiction. I don't know if he's watched it when it came out, but Sam Jackson in Pulp Fiction had a wallet and the wallet said, bad motherfucker. That's just what I think of when I think of this Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's got a badass walk the skinhead, he's constantly just riling up a crowd I, I think he's really really good um, that Stone Cold Stunner I really like it's kind of like a modified diamond cutter I like that, I, I know he was coming into this as a baddie and I'm talking about a bad motherfucker here and he's getting cheers at the end which maybe doesn't bode too well for the character but I'm very much on side with it as Wayne was saying, the two of them's got decent chemistry, there are a couple of bits in the middle that didn't quite make sense for me. I just don't get why they don't key. They, they can't do Johnny B. Bad with the full issues that we had with the boss and the boss man in WCW. So they can't bring him to WWF and make him Johnny B. Bad. But he's got the history with boxing. I just give him a boxer. I make it make sense. And he doesn't need to be cutting about with, with Sable, who I think just takes the shine off him. I think Sable's easily more popular than Meryl. Um, but I mean, apart from that, it was a decent enough match. Certainly match the night so far. But as Wayne was saying as well, a bit harking back to last month with the, the bus lap with Steve Austin. It made sense. They had a decent match. I don't really get why Mark Merrill was doing a moonsault for the apron to the side, considering they must be about 240 or 250. But apart from that, it was a decent match. I like the Steve Austin character. Things are looking up for the night. I think that review was longer than the match. Well said. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was... It was a good match. Um, I'm kind of struggling with both of these guys at the moment. I think perhaps, and I, I, I kind of think, yeah, you know, as much as these guys mesh well in ring, I don't think their characters mesh well at all. And that goes for both of them. Um, and it just like, I'm kind of watching this match without any real investment either side. I don't really care enough about either guy to really get invested in the match. It was good, you know. Mero's, we we know Mero's got you know the the high flying offense down to a T. But is that about him not being able to play Johnny B. Bad? Can't he just play a a similar happy go lucky babyface? Like, why does he need to be this intense babyface character? I, I think he'd be better off as a heel if he's going to play this role. 
Um, like he he can be something different to John be Bad and still be a John be Bad style babyface. Surely that would have been my thought. Um, but the match just you know it was just there. Um, I, I thought Mero's offense down the stretch was good. Um, but you know it kind of kind of come back to what I said about mankind. What does it matter in a match that doesn't really mean that much? And also, what does it matter like if you do all that offense and you still don't win? Yeah, we're kind of getting back to the two cold Scorpio thing in ECW. Don't do all these high flying moves, and you're not going to win the match. Like, what's the point? Um, it was fine. It was a good match, second best match on the card. I didn't say a lot, um, but yeah, it was there. Uh, we cut to the crowd, and it's Bob Backlund, and that does that go anywhere? Um, he's just still campaigning. Why he's campaigning for US president in Canada? I don't quite know, but anytime Mister Backlund's on the screen, I'm happy. Well, there we go. There we go. We move on next. It's Goldust with Marlena versus The Undertaker with Paul Bearer. Goldust begins the match by slowly running away. He nearly gets into the first row of the crowd and he decides he might actually want to get in the ring. More standoffs as we get into the ring. Goldust breathes in and Undertaker levels in with a right. More standoff. This reminds me of Goldust and Warrior. That match was excellent as well. Undertaker goes to the outside and levels in with a right before choke slamming onto the steps. Undertaker grabs the ring steps and threatens to flatten Goldust, but Marlena protects him. The crowd popped big for that. <clears throat> we return to the ring. Goldust tries to pick off the turnbuckle with his teeth. Undertaker hits a leg drop and nearly gets it. Goldust unloads on Undertaker in the corner. Undertaker counters with some strikes and a headbutt. Goldust clotheslines into the outside, but Undertaker lands on his feet. Goldust gathers Undertaker on the apron. Taker counters with a neckbreaker. We get to the outside. Goldust essentially places the ring step across Undertaker's back. Gets in the ring, lets out a roar, and the crowd respond in kind. The crowd rally with a big rest in peace chant. Undertaker attempts a tombstone. Goldus counters, so Undertaker hits an inside cradle. Yes, Undertaker, all six foot ten of him in an inside cradle. Gets a two. Taker hits a running clothesline, a tombstone, and wins the match. Oh, no, he doesn't. I, I was so certain he was winning, I put it in my notes. There we go. Uh, they, the, the big giveaway that it wasn't going to win the match was that Taker put Goldust in the pin, and the ref for about three or four seconds just <laughs> laid there, and you could tell he was waiting for a cue. I knew so, this with the three or four seconds. Well, as long as that. Anyway, uh, yeah. So he took an age to start the count, uh, and because the reason they can start the count is that Mankind tears through the apron, drags Undertaker under the ring. I'll say what happened now. Actually, uh, there's a lot of stalling as Mankind poses above the hole. Undertaker has disappeared. The lights come back up. Undertaker climbs out of a hole across the other side of the ring and chases Mankind to the back. Jim Ross calls this a war. We cut backstage and the battle, battle continues. It's so poorly lit, so forgive me for this. Vince says it's a boiler room, and then the feed cuts out. Wayne? Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I thought it went on a bit too long. Um, the... They could have put on a better, better match in, in my eyes, and uh, um, I, I just thought it was another match that was uh, that was taking far longer than than what it should do. Um, probably just to drag out this uh, this, this five match card pay per view. Um, one of the things I, w- I would say is uh, I've never in my lifetime of watching wrestling thought or would would ever want to see. Oh, sorry, have I ever seen? Undertaker doing an inside cradle before. <laughs> uh, it's just a move I would never have him down to, uh, to, to, to do. Um, the match, uh, sorry, the, the, the finish itself was, uh, was probably ruined. I, I, I don't understand, you know, I like Goldust as a character. He plays a heel character really well, but 
you know, do we really need to protect him? I understand that they've got to um, progress the, the storyline of Mankind Undertaker further, but I thought you could have had Undertaker pick up the win um, by pinfall, clean finish, and then Mankind do do what he did afterwards. It's just, it just confused me a little bit. Del? I, I must admit, I disagree with Wayne on this one. I, I, they've done such a good job of building this. I seriously can't wait for this Taker-Mankind match. Whether it's in a boiler room, as we kind of find out in the, at the end of the match, or if it's a brawl, I just think they've done a brilliant job of building this. Um, taking away for the end, there wasn't much in the match. I can see that Dustin Rhodes has really worked on this gold dust character. He's really came on for the last time I've seen him. Um, there was the kind of almost blown, not really blown spot at the end with the pin, but you could tell that something was kind of going to happen, but the way that they delivered that I thought was really, really good. Um, even just the, the kind of little touches with like the lighting and the music at the end, even the the smoke played a part in it. I, I think this was more about the way that they've built up this this Taker Mankind feud. The only thing that I want to say kind of more about the match itself I think Goldust and Marlena really are a perfect fit. The the full entrance, we spoke about it, Bob, whenever he debuted this character, and it was almost like you see the entrance, then it didn't really do much. Now that he's worked on the character, that is improving, but the full entrance, the, the pairing with Marlena are just a perfect fit. Bearer and Taker always have been a perfect fit. I think it's two of the two of the best kind of wrestler-manager tandems that you're going to get right now in the world. Um, as I say, the match was a bit a bit slow, it, it was almost as if Taker was going back to like 1991 when he was kind of in that more slower pace, which wasn't really brilliant, but it did pick up. The match wasn't much, but it was all about the ending, and I thought they'd done it brilliant. Yeah, I, I feel with Gold Dust like I kind of feel something that Brian Pillman's got to be aware of, which is the character's quite good, but the character doesn't lend itself very well to interesting matches. Um, and I, you know, interesting, not as in like, you know, there's stuff always going on in Goldust's matches, and he's always got that going for him. But it's like matches where I'm looking at it and going, you know, is this match going to be exciting? Goldust comes out, and I very think, no, it's not. Um, and it doesn't help they'll spend a long time kind of, you know, just prancing around, not doing the right early doors. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, Goldust doesn't feel like a good combination with anybody right now, which isn't, you know, isn't the best thing you want to be able to say. Um, as for the setup, I agree with Wayne. I don't think it makes any difference. Well, sorry. I don't think it would have made any difference had Goldust had just lost and then had just done the post-match angle anyway. I don't feel like, you know, Mankind, you know, I don't feel like Undertaker gained much by not winning the match. I don't think Undertaker, uh, Goldust gained much either by winning it. Um, as for the post-match angle, it was nice. Uh, in fact, it was very good. I, I tell a lie. Um, you know, that they have done the thing with the canvas before, but not, not frequently enough where anyone's waiting for it. Um, the spot with the ref was a bit, uh, you know, that took, that took a long ass while that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I was pleasantly surprised because it, it, it all seemed set up for Undertaker to just disappear under the ring and it to end. And then setting it up with Undertaker tearing through the other side and then chasing Mankind to the back. That was a big thumbs up. But yeah, the bit backstage with the boiler room, that boiler room, that didn't work. Uh, far too dark, it was shot. You know, the idea was we we're going to try and be spontaneous with it. Um, there's being spontaneous, you've still got to strike that balance between that and enabling people to see what you're trying to do. Um, and they didn't get there. I think that's what I'd say about that. But a, a, a decent match, I would say. 
We get a promo with the faces from the main event while they fix the ring. Sid as a face is a bit weird. Sean starts driving out to ringside and fans lean so far over the guardrail that it collapses. Laura is deliriously happy with that. Runs to the main event, it's Shawn Michaels with Jose Lothario, Armour Johnson and Psycho Zid versus Camp Cornette, the British Bulldog Vader and Owen Hart with Jim Cornette. Armour Johnson has cleared him to visit Cactus Jack's ECW shirt designer. He's wearing the sleeveless tee uh, with the gear like Jack used to wear while he was in ECW. Dale, does that remind you of that? See, I thought it was more like Warrior in Jimmy Hart's jackets. See how they get the kind of spray-painted jackets? I thought it was more like them. That's exactly what I thought. Oh, yeah, no, but Del, do you remember the um, Three Faces of Fear shirt that... Ah, uh, right enough, when he was rubbing there, when he left yeah. WCW. I, 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 I think you're right, it's more reminiscent of Jimmy Hart, but that was the... Uh, I think it was more. It reminded me more of the Three Faces of Fear shirt than... Ah, uh, it was the just after the tag title, hang on, I'd forgot about that, actually. We start with Ahmed and Vader, but Vader goes towards the face corner and signals for Sean, who tags in. Sean attempts to win a striking exchange with Vader. That ends badly. Sean goes up on top of Vader, then rolls out with a Frankenstein and a crossbody, sending Vader to the outside. He follows that with a slingshot crossbody. Sean misses one move too many. Vader gets him in the corner and starts throwing strikes. The crowd fire up a Sid chant. Michaels tags him in. This is probably the first time that Sid and Vader have met since what happened in 1993 with Blackburn with uh, with Sid and Arn Anderson, I would have thought. Mm. Uh, Sid throws everyone over the top rope and is the most over guy in the WWF I can remember. We get back to the Owen and Sid. Sid tags out to the point that I think the crowd were a bit let down by that. Arn hits Owen with a trio of German suplexes. Arn hits a power of a plunge on Bulldog but Vader breaks up the cover. Another huge Sid chant breaks out in Vancouver. Vader smashes into Ahmed in the corner and loads some strikes. Vader charges at Ahmed. Ahmed catches him and hits a running body slam for a two. Another loud Sid chant. Ahmed picks up Owen with a big slam. In comes Sid. Bullard tags in, hits a big stalling suplex for a two. Vader follows it with a running elbow, but Sid kicks out. Michaels tags in, slams Bulldog off of the opposite corners, but ends up smashing his shoulder into the ring post. Sean goes for a cover. Owen jumps in to break up the pin. Sean moves and Owen ends up dropping elbow, dropping an elbow on Bulldog. Owen goes for a pin attempt. We get an Oklahoma roll, as Jim Ross calls it, as the pair roll around attempting pins. Michaels bridges out of a pin into a backslide. Owen returns to his feet and smashes Sean with a clothesline. Bulldog goes for a running elbow, but Sean moves. Sean comes off the top. Owen hits him with a cast and Sean goes down. Vader tags in with Sean down. Vader fires Sean into the turnbuckle and over the top to the floor. Vader and Sid get into it. Vader pins Sean for two. We get a standing rest hold. A fan jumps on the apron on the second rope. Bulldog and Ahmed both jump in the ring and see him away. Uh, the fan shit himself, basically, when they ran towards him. Fans cheer him off as he presumably gets led away. It's a really long rest hold. Vader gets a choke in on Sean's Adam's apple when the ref isn't looking. Sean eventually rallies out, but Vader hits him with a shoulder tackle. Vader hits a splash, gets up, and Armand Johnson runs him over with a big clothesline. Sean goes for a crucifix. Borog stops it into a Samoan drop. Owen tags in. He and Sean uh, crash into each other, and both men are down. Sean's been in this match a while. Sid drops a leg over Bulldog, who is covering Sean. Vader tags in. Sean gets a hot tag to Ahmed, but the ref didn't see it. With the ref trying to stop Ahmed and Jose Lothario, the heels three on one. Sean. Bulldog holds up Michaels. Uh, Owen goes for a drop kick, but Sean moves and Owen leathers him. Sid gets a hot tag. He chokes on Vader, then Owen, then Bulldog. It was quite convoluted, but the crowd are all over this. Sid and Sean hit a rocket launcher on Vader. Sean gets his hands on Cornette. 
Vader gets a racket, but Sean stops him and hits Vader with the racket. Vader kicks out. Sean tunes up the band. Cornette pulls him back as he goes for it. Vader takes advantage, runs him over in the corner, hits a massive Vader bomb, and pins Sean for the win. After the match, Sid hits a powerball on both Bulldog and Owen. He goes for one on Vader, but Owen and Bulldog pull him to safety. Sean throws himself over the top onto Vader and starts brawling with him. The baby faces pose in the ring afterwards. Wayne, thoughts on all this? Oh, it was great. Um, easily the match of the night, and I would probably go as far as saying that. If it wasn't for this match, um, I, I wouldn't have enjoyed this pay-per-view at all. So, you know, it, it did save, save it in that sense. Um, I, you know, again, all the uh, all the guys in there was uh, uh, really put on a showing. Um, Ahmed, again, I much prefer him in matches like these where, um, you know, he's, he's not trying to carry a match or, or be in there for a full duration because, uh, you know, not only is he still his usual green self, but he blows up way too, uh, way too easily in, uh, in a match. So why the title's on him, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure about that one. Um, Sid, massive, massive pop. And as we covered off in the news, you know, he's, uh, he was probably the most over guy of the, uh, of the night. And, uh, as we mentioned before about, uh, Henry Godwin not really being a solid replacement for, um, uh, for Jake Roberts, well, probably Seth Sid as a babyface here is is probably as uh, as over as what Warrior was. So uh, you know, slid slid nicely uh, in there. Um, as I said, you know, it was a match where uh, you know where, where everyone was uh, you know was pulling on a good good performance. I'm now ready for uh, for Owen uh Shawn Michaels big main event title match. Um, I think these two guys have put on a really, really good uh, good showing. So, um, you know, a- a- excellent progression of storylines again, you know, sets up the, uh, you know, the match with um, Vader and Michaels now with, with Vader getting the pin. So, yeah, big, big thumbs up from me on this. Del? Where the fuck did this sad stuff come from? Seriously? No idea. I mean, Sid Judy is never going to be Luke Thais, right? But, he is fucking over his rover in this man, and I, I don't know where it. Came. I mean, you seen it at the start. As soon as Sean's music cut, you see a rush of fans to the guardrail. Obviously, it was a wee bit too much. I rush considering the the guardrail burst right onto the aisleway. But Sean, you expect it? Sid just blew me away, and that's I don't know where it came from. He's never he's never going to be a a cat wrestler, but he's got a good look. It's not as uh, if he even left as a hot heel last no. year. He just fizzled no. out. It just there wasn't any there wasn't any big explosive end to his last run, and he's just come in in nowhere. And there's a bit that we'll see with the the TVs where he, he kind of goes into the back with the, the the car, and he just kind of steams in it like eighty mile an hour, and it's like as if he just done that in this match. And it's, it was really strange. Um, the match itself, I was actually a bit worried coming into it because I know it was about, I think it was about 40, about 35, 40 minutes left of the, of the show time and this started and I was like, oh, shit, we've got Owen and we've got Sean, but when you mix in an Ahmed Johnson, when you mix in a David Boy Smith, it's like, I hope there's a lot of Owen and Sean in this match, but they did actually carry it off quite well. Um, similar to when I'm more kind of on the Owen, Owen Sean side, I'm more kind of, Stereotypical intercontinental champion size wrestlers in a match that I'm more interested in than like a, a Sid and an Ahmed Johnson. And even when we were saying, not even putting a title on, on Ahmed, but putting the workers title on Ahmed just seems a bit strange, but they did really well in this, to be fair. It was more, for me it was more about the, the Sid reaction was ridiculous, but 
it was just a big moment for kind of big fan Vader at the end that I thought really touched the half nice. I'd like a bit more comeuppance uh, for Jim Carnett, but for for who they had in the match, considering they were literally lumbered with like a Sid and a Bulldog, and I thought they'd done it really, really well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was brave to an extent to send this match so long. Um, but there's, I think you're right, John, that there is just enough in this match. Like we talk about Johnson and, uh, you know, Bulldog, but this is also a match that involves Vader as well. Like, you know, Vader can, can carry his own. You've got Jim Cornette on the outside as well who can, you know, cover if things get a bit flat. So they had enough going for them, but I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe the Vancouver crowd would have been all over, you know, um, Warrior as well, perhaps. Um, but it was just incredible. I don't, <laughs> like, you've got, you've got, Sid comes out, and it's like, he's our new lead babyface. Like, almost. Like, I, I know you, you might say we're still sure, and you're probably still right, but it's like, th- this was like, you know, buying a lottery ticket and finding out it's worth 50 grand. Like, what the hell was this? Um, and I like, I couldn't really explain any of that. I still can't now, but it wasn't just a one night thing as we'll come to in the, the TVs that follow. Sid got a great reaction the following night. There is no logical explanation for this. He was a really, really flat heel last year. Really flat, really. I mean, when you consider that they had to kind of truncate his run with Sean because Sean turned babyface and they put Sid with, uh, the Million Dollar Corporation, that whole thing just you know, fell apart. And you were like, this isn't going anywhere. And then Sid just disappeared after a while. Um, he came back in. And yeah, I, I, like, I don't know if, if it's Yokozuna in the spot. Yokozuna was the other name they were talking about to replace um, Warrior. Well, certainly once Bret Hart wasn't in the running. I don't think Yokozuna would have got this kind of reaction. Um, but yeah, um, a, a really decent match, like a, a decent tag match. Um, Wayne, let's talk about the booking of Vader, um, because I feel like you, you could look at the booking of Vader and if you were going to be reasonably selective, you could say they've done a good job with Vader. But and, and What do you think about his booking tonight, and what do you think about him going into the title match next month with Sean? Because it doesn't feel like it's as big as it should be. No, I think when when he came in and made his debut at the Royal Rumble, you know, he, he made a really pr- impressive effort at, at the Royal Rumble. Went off with uh, with injury not long after, um, and hasn't really been booked as strongly as as you would hope, or as strongly as he did when he was at the uh, at the top of the heel um, status in, in WCW. So, if he's going one on one with Shawn Michaels, we probably would have been more excited about it if they, if he would have done a better job on on the booking. But uh, tonight. I, I, I still think we've we probably got what what needed to happen to progress this storyline, but um, could it have been done a little bit a little bit better? I'm 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 not sure. Del, I think they kind of muddy the waters a wee bit. I think with this one, Bob, but it's like you look at the build that they've done with Taker, Mankind, Taker's nemesis. The minute seems to be Mankind and Mankind vice versa with Taker. This one where you're mixing it in with a six-man tag, it's kind of hard to get the spotlight on on the big man any more than they've done. They gave him the win. They've got Cornet there batting him up as the mouthpiece. He's an impressive kind of figure as a as a guy, especially when you match him up with like a Sean who's a kind of high fly and Mr. Athleticism, and then you just get him up against a big beast invader. 
it's kind of hard to do it any better than they done when it is in that the kind of muddy waters of having like another two men on each team. Um, I don't think that's helped. There's kind of what we mentioned in the news as well. I think there's just a big bit of fear culture that they don't seemingly want to build anybody that big just in case. Um, but I mean, I think considering, considering the factors involved, and I think they've done all right. They could have done better. As I said, I don't think that injury's helped him any, but he's, he's still a name and you're going to get now that the, now that the New York audience know who he is, that builds him a bit. Atlanta fans tuning in here are going to see him as the last big fan Vader. He's got name value, he's got size, he's got a mouthpiece. If they just nudge him a wee bit more, it's certainly, it's certainly a believable contender. Yeah, they've they've just not quite got a hold of it. I mean, it doesn't help when you you factor in what they've been doing with him at house shows, which has been invariably beating him. Mm. Um, now I know house shows aren't TV, but a lot of your you would have thought a lot of your core pay per view buying audience are, are going to be the kind of people that are going to be at these house shows to one degree or another. Um, and it's just it, it, it's kind of you could have protected. This could be a massive match. It doesn't feel like that. That's my my feeling going forward. Is that they've done okay with Vader? Yes, he pinned Sean on this card. He kind of had to. Um, a little bit tainted with interference of Cornette, but I think they did just about as well as they did with that. I think it's just more cumulatively they've that they, they've missed too much with him. And I think it's also as well. Like I feel like a guy like Vader. It's not even so much what you do with him. It's how you present him. And I don't feel like enough they presented Vader as any different to anything on the roster. Um, and that's a problem. Like Vader in his pomp in 93 WCW was the biggest guy they had. When Vader was in the room, everything else kind of stopped. So that's often what it felt like on TV. You watch Raw and Vader's just, you know, another guy. I think that's a problem. Anyway, that will bring us to the end of this show. Uh, Wayne gives you overall thoughts on the show and a score rating out of 10. Yeah, I think it was a pay-per-view that highlighted how, how poor the undercard is and uh, how non-existent the tag division is. But, uh, you know, thankfully we had, uh, you know, a, a, a good match between Stone Cold and uh, Matt Miro midway through and a, and a fantastic main event, which, as I said before, saved the pay-per-view for me. So, uh, you know, nice progression of storylines. I'll give this a 6 out of 10. Del? Um, I'd originally went with a 6 I'm actually going to come down a bit Bob I'm going to cut it as a 5 it, it did just feel very placeholder for me um, it was more about the outcomes it's like oh we're going to get Taker in, in Mankind or oh, we're going to get Vader in a, a title match there wasn't really much in it I think as I said in the first match it kind of summed it up when the crowd just laughed at that the Sid thing came out of nowhere. I do like what they've done with Taker and Mankind. The Gold Dust character he's brought it on. Stone Cold, I think, is a star in waiting. Sean, God love him, just was a workhorse in the main event. To be fair, going in, he had to be. But I think for, for overall, it is only an in-your-house. It is a B-show. But I still think there was a lot of filler in this. Um, I say it's more about the outcomes for me, so I think it's, it's fair enough. For the work involved, I'll get a five, but I don't think I could really get it any more than that. Yeah, I'll split the difference, five and a half. Uh, it's not... Um, the main event is fun, um, but I don't know without Sid that that doesn't really kind of pancake in the middle. Um, everything else is largely missable. I mean, it's not, it's not the worst show you're ever going to see. The in-reaction is generally at least okay I mean there's no WCW level like really dire first third of a show that we've seen in the past 
Um, but it's just there. Um, and that's really, I think, the best thing to say about it. Decent show. Main event is, it's very good. Kind of, it's an excellent main event. It's a very good main event. It goes quite long. Um, but there's just about enough going on where you're never really bored by it. Um, but Sid's the big surprise. And that's what we're going to be discussing coming out of the TVs. The modern day gladiator. And I met Johnson. You thought you were pretty funny, huh? Well, I had a bigger surprise for you. Now, didn't I? Now we're going to get you where it counts and when it counts at SummerSlam for the Intercontinental Championship. This is the champion of the 90s. I bet you this, punk. You got a newfound respect for women, haven't you? This next time you address her, it'll be with a miss or misses in front of it, won't it? Now let me tell you this. I heard you come out here talking about brother, this, brother, that. I'm not your brother. You should know there are no guidelines on the street when it comes to fighting. There are no rules that you follow on the street when it comes to fighting. At SummerSlam, I'm going to give you a crash course in what it is to go back in time in the way we've used to fight. I'm bringing that back to you. SummerSlam, I will be 15 pounds heavier, and it'll all be in gold. Get ready. The Smoking Guns open up with Sonny on the July 22nd show. They're out pushing a birthday cake, presumably for Shawn Michaels. That could be for me, I suppose. We open up with the Guns against Shawn and Ahmed Johnson for the tag titles. Shawn lands a big super kick early, but the match hasn't started yet. Shawn wipes some cream into Sonny's face. Sonny picks up the cake in retaliation, then Ahmed pushes the cake right into her face. Shawn then wastes little time in trying to lick the icing off her face match is on ice it seems come back to that later Steve Austin comes to ringside for a match between Wildman Mark Merrow and a ho- hockey playing gimmick man The Goon Jake Roberts joins us on the phone saying he has an intercostal injury Austin and King goad Roberts for his drinking issues they're doing King versus Roberts on the pay-per-view next month Merrow unsurprisingly wins the match we cut to a shot earlier in the day of Clarence Mason trying to bring someone into the WWF. He's saying this person was not convicted of any crime. This will turn out to be Crush. Mankind wins a squash. God thus puts away Barry Horowitz. Cut the matches there. We get a promo with Jim Cornette and Vader in the ring with Vince McMahon. Nothing major beyond the confirmation that Vader will face Sean at SummerSlam. The main event is the previously advertised title match. Tag title match, sorry. The match breaks down with a big dude in a mask coming out and beating up Ahmed Johnson. You'll recognise him as former WCW champion Ron Simmons. Sean and Ahmed have to be split up from Ron. We open up July 29th with the news that Ahmed Johnson has been sidelined with a ruptured kidney. Sid comes out to a hero's welcome. I'm serious about that massive reaction. He chokes down Justin Hawk Bradshaw. Bradshaw hits him with his rope, but Sid fights off the two-on-one attack and hits a power on Bradshaw, then one on Sebakaya. Sid's over, guys. We join Sonny backstage with Farouk Assad. That's Ron Simmons' name. This is already a better use of Sonny. Assad's promo is really good, but his gear needs some work. He says that at SummerSlam, he'll be 15 pounds heavier. And that's all gold. He's facing Ahmed Johnson. We get a match between Vader and Mark Merrow. This is decent. Merrow comes off the top, um, but misses his float over Sunset Flip. Vader misses a splash. Merrow goes to the top again. Vader catches him in a power slam for a three. Jim Cornette is giddy with delight. They show a call advert showing the WWF superstars training for the Olympics. We get an in-ring segment with Jim Cornette, who's all over TV at the moment. He's in the ring with Vince and Jose Lothario. 
Cornette runs down how Sean idolised Lothario. Cornette says Lothario has become a has-been in San Antonio. He's on fire here. Cornette eventually oversteps the mark and Lothario grabs his collar and threatens Cornette. We then basically get exactly the same spot from the free-for-all at the pay-per-view. Lothario ducks a tennis racket shot and then lays out Cornette. We cut to commercial, but not before seeing Mankind put Shawn Michaels in the mandible claw. Next up is the British Bulldog versus Henry O'Godwin, Owen Hart out on commentary. He says he's spoken to his doctor and his calves will be able to come off in six weeks. Maybe. Bulldog wins with a power slam and we then see Mark Henry lift, uh, setting a power lifting record. Head of uh, Austin against The Undertaker in the main event, we see Mankind in a boiler room, apparently, not coming to play later. Mankind comes out of the R-way and brawls um, with The Undertaker midway through the match. This shockingly leads to a count out and Austin wins the match. They brawl backstage, Undertaker returns and tombstones Austin, because of course now he can because the match has ended. We can then cut Austin's legs off. Undertaker says it's time, it's time the Reaper enters the Serpent's Lair. The mentor of one Shawn Michaels, the legendary Jose Lothario. And of course, representing the man they call Vader, Jim Cornette. Now, you've asked for this. You know what happened the last time. I'm sure you don't want to be embarrassed because at face-to-face, quite frankly, you were knocked on your, well, sizable whatever it was by Mr. Lothario. Go ahead and be cute. Go ask. I'm watching you. Don't go in your pocket and pull that switchblade out again. I'm warning you right now. Now, let me explain something. I don't want any violence out here. I wanted to talk to you because there's something i got to say to you. I haven't forgotten what happened between us at the free-for-all. I haven't forgotten how you put your hands on me and beat me up. I haven't forgotten none of that. And I want to tell you here tonight just exactly how I'm going to get even with you for it. You see, a lot of people don't realize this, and I had to do some checking because I wondered why Jose Lothario just all of a sudden popped up in the World Wrestling Federation. Right. So I did a little checking. Into the background, I found out Jose Lothario was a great wrestler in his day. A lot of people know that. You were a legend. Beat a lot of people, won a lot of titles. But you were so great that one person in particular, a little 17-year-old high school kid in San Antonio, Texas, thought you were the greatest thing in the world, and that kid was Shawn Michaels. So Shawn Michaels, yeah. Shawn Michaels came to you and said, Jose, will you please teach me how to be a wrestler? And you said yes, but you did more than that. Because you all of a sudden became like a father to Shawn Michaels, and he became like a son to you. Uh-oh. And when you taught Jimmy, him how to wrestle, don't forget, then he Shawn went Michaels off on his interview. Don't try anything. He traveled the world. He left San Antonio. What's the point of this? But you know what happened to him? Don't interrupt. He stayed in San Antonio. His career was over, and he became a stinking, no-good has-been. He was sitting at home in San Antonio on the back porch with a scrapbook full of memories of when you were somebody, but you were a nobody, yeah. and nobody cared whether you lived or stinking died. Tell it like it is. But then one day this year, the call came. It was Shawn Michaels. Please, Jose, come back. i got the biggest match of my life coming up, and I want you to help me and teach me and lead me again. And you did. The bond was still there, and he won the title. Well, now, Jose, you're somebody. Well, I got news for you, old man. You dried up old fossil. I'm going to take that away from you. That's how I'm going to get even with you. I'm going to take it away from you. Because when Vader beats Shawn Michaels and makes him an ex-champion, then you're going to be back down there on a back porch in San Antonio, out there in the field, picking whatever it is they grow down there. You're going to be a nobody and a has-been, and nobody's going to care whether you live or stink and die. 
That's how I'm going to get even with you. Because Jose Lothario, I think you're nothing but trash. Whoa. And if you taught Shawn Michaels everything he knows, then that must mean that Shawn Michaels is trash too. Whoa. Oh, hey, here we go again. Get your hands off of Jimmy. We need some help out here. We need some help with Cornette. You involve my family and especially Shawn Michaels. Man, do something. You're going to really get a surprise in life. Because I'm going to kick you butt like nobody done it before. Look at this. I can't believe it. Come on again. Yeah, you will. Oh, no. I can't believe it. Jimmy. So, TVs are come and gone. Um, another fairly, fairly uneventful month on, on, on television. But there are some discussion points that I think we're going to go through. Um... I know we discussed in quite a lot of detail during the show itself, um, but I think CD is the first place to start. I think we'll start with the TVs that aired prior to the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know that July 9th show where they essentially had everything pre-taped as of the end of June, and obviously as of the end of June included Warrior being involved. Now they had they had actually taped an angle where Warrior was beaten up by the three heels, but decided yeah. that enough people knew about it where it wasn't going to wash. So they went full frontal, as you heard, with Gorilla Monsoon. Um, and then they had to basically retape all the commentary and then splice in a load of segments in a studio with Jim Cornette and with Shawn Michaels, with Armand Johnson, and ultimately with Sid. Um, and then, you know, talk about that and also talk about the bit on the show prior where Sid comes, you know, that there's that angle they shoot, <laughs> and Cornette chucks the water into yeah. Shawn Michaels' face. They storm out um, to the p- car parking lot. A brawl starts, and then Sid, like just this motherfucker, just fucking steams out of it all crashes into what I think was some bins or some pallets. There was or a bin. There was some pallets. How Bit of everything. Killed anybody? I don't and know. And then just gets out of his car and steams after the heels. Yeah. That's like, what are your thoughts on all that, Del? It genuinely, I mean, he's mentioned the lottery ticket earlier. It genuinely seems as if they've won a watch. We said, and it's just come out of nowhere. I mean, everybody knows who he is. He's been about God how many years now, and he's. If you're looking for a, a body, said you, they must be. A, he can't be a kit in the backside of seven feet if he's not seven feet already. He's built like a tank. He just looks different. Whether it's the the kind of noodle hair or the, the kind of mental facials that they've really got playing with a psycho Sid character instead of him being like Sid Justice or Sid Vicious. He's just, it's something that's different and you tune in, you're going to see, I mean we've talked about how they've kind of seemingly made Vader into just another guy. Sid could be a bit of a saviour when you're, you're looking at Jake as King kept referring to on and off through the month, we don't know what's happening with him, he's got name value. Brett doesn't seem to be coming back anytime soon. You need people that's gonna get eyes on a on a product and as much as I wouldn't maybe like say maybe three, four weeks ago, I wouldn't have booked Sid into any kind of place like this. He's a he's a name that you could bring in and it's somebody that fans are gonna recognise and I there's there's some matches in him where he's just a big unity of man. He's gonna set up maybe a a smaller, younger kind of good guy, but He's just, it's just come out of nowhere for me. I mean, it is just like when he came in that, that TV, when it's just at the end, he just steams in in the motor out of nowhere. And it's like, that's literally what he's done with us, with us kind of comeback. And 
Um, and, and, and like they've still got Brett off TV and that's all what I'm there, but they found themselves a new baby face, which isn't a bad spot to be in. Um, as for Sid going forward, uh, you know, it's, it's tricky. Sid, Sid is perfect for a six man tag spot. You know, Sid in main events, if it's not Shawn Michaels, I mean, Shawn Michaels can, can run around for him, I'm sure. Um, Sid against Vader, uh, uh we'll, uh, we will wait and see. Um, Speaking of which, let's move on to the Ultimate Warrior. The Ultimate Warrior was suspended by the WWF this month following him no-showing a run of live events at the end of June. It was a story that played out on television almost exactly as it did in real life, with Gorilla Monsoon admitting Warrior's suspension and saying that we'd only be allowed to return if he posted an appearance bond, with stories saying that the bond would be anywhere in the range of $100,000 to $250,000. That the money mentioned didn't make it to TV anyway beyond the pre-existing issues surrounding Warrior's previous departures from the company it seems the latest breakdown in the relationship between him and Vince McMahon stemmed from the WWF using some of Warrior's own slogans as part of the WWF marketing campaign Warrior felt he should have been informed and given a cut of sales this was compounded further by the passing of Warrior's father on the final weekend in June, which didn't line up with, in the WWF's mind as it said Warrior missed shows prior to his death, along with the fact that Warrior has told people that he hasn't spoken to his father since the age of three. Helwig did an online interview and denied that the issues were anything related to his contract. If resolving my personal issues and protecting the way I choose to believe puts me in the WWF doghouse, as stated on the money-making 1900 line, then so be it. Bow, wow, and kiss my ass. Always believe. The situation played out on television, as you would have heard, with Gorilla Monsoon announcing his suspension in what was essentially a shoot. While the WWF did have raw tape already, with Warrior getting beaten down by the heels, it said they felt too many people already knew the truth. After contacting Bret Hart, who turned it down, Warrior was replaced at all events by the returning Psycho Sid. Wayne, well, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, Warrior has a history. Um, there's a lot going on with Warriors. We, we just heard in that pre-tape. Um, but yeah, it's just a kind of... Uh, it's not serious to say it's the end of his run. It may not be, but it's just a kind of flat end to uh, a character that wasn't really going anywhere. Yeah, if uh, if, if those burnt bit bridges had, uh, had just been rebuilt, it's uh, it's going to be even harder to, to rebuild them now. As I said, he's he's got he's got previous for uh, for, for this and uh, and no different this time round. So you know, Vince McMahon's thinking you know could be uh, could be a lot different to, to what he's thought in the past. So uh, um, what are we going to see from from Worry moving forward? Links with WCW maybe um, NWO possibly going against them could be, but um, but yeah, that, that, in regards of his character in WWF, I, you know I think you just hit the nail on the head. Really, it was it was growing stale. You know he got a massive pot when uh, in his return around about the WrestleMania time, and uh, um, you know he's, he's carried off some matches since then, which have by no means been uh, been, been that impressive. So uh, it is same old warrior, and uh, I, I'm I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm not going to miss the guy. Similar to Wayne, to be honest, Bob, he's, he's not got uh, he's not got the perfect record going back, whether it was going to come back to the 91, 92 time when he had the issues with, with Vince, it seems to be happening again, I think, I don't really see where he fits in even if he is there, because we've seen it at Mania with, with Helmsley, if he's just going to be coming in and crushing up and comers, that doesn't really help anybody 
he's not getting a title. I, I refuse to see him with another title reign under under Vince. I, I just don't think he could trust him for it. I mean, if you're not going to have him as a title and you're not going to have him building young and upcomers, what is this? Um, he has a name. He has a pop. He has a he has something that's going to put put asses in seats. But apart from that, I mean, for me, the the best thing from a selfish point of view for Warrior would maybe even begin back to getting the Blade Runners back together. Something with Sting. It was it's something they had to go up against an NWO. I just don't see anything in New York for them. Um, for for what it's worth, Warriors, uh, you know, I mean, who knows? If you, you know, He's still in suspended at the moment. He's under contract. But as I understand it, if Warrior were to end up leaving, he'd have to sit out the rest of his contract. So he wouldn't be available for WCW yeah. for another year at least. I just, I, I, I really worry for him because, as I say, I've a lot of time for the, for the guy. I mean, he has a, Jim Helwig is an enigma. He, he's in front of the camera, behind the camera. You have a fucking clue what he's talking about half the time and I don't think he's any different in real life as he has doing the camera. But I just don't see realistically where you can, where you can put him. I, as sad as it makes me, because he, he was amazing in his day, whether that's youth or whether that's kind of tinted glasses looking back in history, I don't know. But it, it seems as if to me it is just going to be a case where he's going to be running out of, running out of contract. And for a, a man of that kind of look, he's unique. There isn't anybody like him, no matter what the renegade might try and kind of convince you of. It, it, it's just, I think it's just a bit of a sad end for me. and when you see him coming back in and he still gets the reaction, he still get the entrance, he still get the rope shake, he still get the run. But apart from that, it's like, what else is there? And I, I really don't know. I, I, where they've pulled a rabbit out of the heart with Sid, I would like to think it's the same for Jim Helwig, but I've got my doubts. Yeah, um, we, we've spoken about Warrior over the last couple of months, just how, you know... Warrior at this stage feels like he should be 15, 20 years ago in the territories and that you come in, he, he gets hot for a few months then he leaves. Um, ironically, that might be exactly what happens in this situation anyway. Um, but yeah, it just kind of, you know, it's it's just not a character and, and he's not a guy that I think really fits in 1996 anymore. There's too much television, there's too many big shows. You know, there's what there's only really one way of booking Warrior and that is all out. Uh, unless Warriors, you know, one or one A, it just doesn't work. A, a mid-card Ultimate Warrior doesn't really make any sense because he's not the Ultimate Warrior anymore. Um, but yeah, it's you know, as to how it will apart, I mean, you know, only, only the guys in the know really, really understand, I suppose. Um, but a bit of a bit of an ugly ending if it if it is the end of his run. Um, but yeah, it, you know. In a funny kind of way, it might help in the sense that it was that or just fizzle out in the WWF, and I don't know that that helps Walmart Warrior either. Um, let's talk about Ron Simmons, Wayne. In as Faruka Sad, assigned, aligned with the, with Sonny, um, this has potential. I'm not feeling it yet, but I think Sonny needs to be with a, a significant singles act, of which Ron Simmons is, and I think the WWF could definitely use a, a big powerhouse good talker like Ron Simmons. Yeah, and, uh, and we've seen him in good matches before as well, so uh, all you need to do is just change the look of him because uh, it just looks like a futuristic gladiator gimmick. I mean, obviously, you know, that, that's that's the route that they're going down, but the outfit he wears just 
you know, it just screams out, you know, cartoonish character. And, you know, we're, we're trying to move away from, from things like that, you know, bringing, um, you know, people like Psycho Sid back and giving it more of a, more of a real, real feel again. But, you know, we've got characters there that, uh, you know, like the goon, we've got a plumber gimmick and, you know, this is just another gladiator gimmick. So change that up, like you said, have him with Sonny, Sonny and, you know, push him, push him really far. And I think this guy has definitely got potential to, uh, uh to be a big name on, uh, on, on the heel side anyway. No. How you introduced him there, Bob, was uh, a big guy that can talk. You've got big guys with like Bulldog, can't talk for shit. Ahmed Johnson, he, he's just green as grass. Farouk, uh, Ron Simmons is, is just like a better version of all of the above. The worry for me is putting him with Sonny, it's as if they don't want him to talk. They are just going to keep him with her talking for him. He has spoke already on camera, which is a good thing. He, he needs to fucking dump that that outfit off that. Yeah. It's Ron Simmons, kind of what I'd said earlier on. Ron Simmons looks like a real tough bastard yeah. in ordinary gear. There's no well, need that, to put anything on him. Like, exactly, he's just looking yeah. like shit. I mean, I, I said it earlier on when I was talking about Steve Austin, what they've done with him. Bad motherfucker, you think, Ron Simmons. He's tough as shit. He's going to beat up anybody that he's in a ring with, and he just... I mean, did I see if there's anybody that can walk into a room dressed up with, as Wayne said, a future gladiator? It's probably going to be Ron Simmons that's the last one to make you laugh at it. But it's still the notion that the laugh is there. That it doesn't work with somebody like Ron Simmons. He's he's just a big tough bastard, and he shouldn't be saddled with with stupid things like what Wayne was saying. I mean, we've seen the debut of the Goon. This month, he looks like a gun with a, with that helmet and the, the blue outfit. He just, I don't want him to be a character like a TL Hopper or a gun. I want him to be a character if he needs to be like a taker or a mankind or a gold dust. It needs to be something that people can invest in. But when you've got somebody like a Ron Simmons, as we even seen him when he came into ECW, you don't need a gimmick. He's Ron Simmons, that's his gimmick. He's gonna kick your ass. And you don't need any more than that. Let them, let them beat down jobbers. Let them come in. I mean, you could even, what we're seeing in, in Atlanta, they're now an NWO for they're seen as the future and this is like a hostile takeover. There's nothing to stop her on Simmons coming in and just kick fuck out of a mantor or kick fuck out of a TL Hopper and just rid, rid the company of these cartoon characters. Cause I don't want to make him a baby face though. Well true, <laughs> it's, it's the, the tightrope you walk, but when he's got that character, when he's saying that he's coming in and he's going to be bringing back the old style of gladiatorial warfare and just fighting to the death, that's a gimmick. I just don't think he needs the bells and whistles he, he outfits to, to emphasise that. He's got it, he has it. You don't need any more than that. Yeah, it's funny, like, I don't think I'd have been thinking about Ron Simmons this year about being, as being a big difference maker, and yet now he's here, I feel like he could be. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like he'd be a good matchup for a lot of guys at the top of the card. Um, you know, we've seen him against Vader before in a big, you know, big matches in WCW, that works. Him against Sean could work. There's plenty of potential on both sides. I mean, keep his heel for now, obviously. Um, but yeah, just, uh, big potential. The debut is okay, but yeah, the ring gear is, Really odd. Um, one more name to discuss before we finish up. Um, Dell, Jim Cornette, who I think you can 
Tell is all over the booking, just by the fact he's all over television. Mm. But given WWF's deficiency in the talking side, I think you can fully understand why he's all over television. Yeah. But it feels like a bit of a step saying, let's put him in the main event of the pay-per-view after SummerSlam. <laughs> um, I, I love Jimmy, but if we're going to go back to, like a, to a scaffold match kind of situation, we know how that one ended. He's, he's very much, I get them in the building and then let the spotlight go for him when he's talent. Jimmy Cornette will sell you tickets. I don't know whether I would buy tickets to see him. It's his, it's his knacky getting people through a door and getting their arse on a seat that he's good at. Um, again, I can understand the reasons why it does, it does stinky Jim's, Jim Cornette's fingerprints, the booking that's on this, but as you say, when he's, when he's got the people at Owen Hart, as much as I love him, he's not a great promo. Bulldog is ten times worse, but you do kind of need that that mouth. And he, he is somebody still in this day and age in 1996. I would be more than willing to bet that a lot of people that go into a WWF building still want to get their hands on Jim Kernet, which is what he's good at. But as I say, if it's going to be getting him into a match, how does that work? It's like you, you kind of take away what makes him good. He's good on the outside to rail folk up. He's good to throw in a tennis racket and let somebody get slapped around the head with it. It's, if you put him in the spotlight, I just don't see what it does for anybody else. He, he's biggest, his biggest asset to any company, whether it's a Smoky Mountain, God rest it, or a WWF, he should be the reason that you actually give a shit about the match when he's in the match it doesn't build up the match itself it just I think it's going to take away from it but we can only wait and see when? to be fair I, I don't mind uh, seeing uh, Cornette in a match um, I'm, I'm really happy that he's been all over TV this month and carried off some promos really really well I mean it was he's just being Cornette being Cornette but uh uh, turned up even more with, uh, with with him doing the booking himself, so uh, I'm I'm all for that. The only thing I I don't want to see is is Jose Lothario in in a match. You know, I'm just not a not a fan of this guy at all. So if uh, if that's the route they're going to go down and, and and we have to see Lothario in a match, then I'm, I'll, I'll probably agree with Dell and saying I don't want to see him in the match if uh, if that's the reason why. But you know, we've Con Cornet in uh, in a match just you know. Uh, his comparison to Heenan being in uh, in matches before, so uh, you know I'm not uh, you know I'm not going to say anything ne- negative that much because uh, you know like you said we all want to see our uh, everyone get their hands on Cornet, so uh, so for that reason I'm uh, you know I'm I'm all for it, but just not a fan of Lothario on the other side. No, I mean Cornet's working wonders on the mic on his side, but Lothario's not effective enough. He's not a good enough talker. He doesn't. It's not even. His probability, it's more just how he talks. Um, it just doesn't quite work. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, uh, they're talking about a kind of a, you know, tag match, Sean and, and, uh, and Lothario against Vader and Cornette. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I guess it's a filler show, but it's like, you put that in the main event, you're presenting me a filler pay-per-view. Um, and I, you know, I don't know that, you, you know, I feel like these pay-per-views need to have a bit more than what they're giving. I know the idea is they're cheaper, they're, you know, less than two hours, etc., etc. But you put that as the main event and it's like, this is a skippable show. 
Um, but we will see. Anyway, that will wrap up this month's show. Much shorter than usual, but not a ton to discuss. Firstly, thank you, Wayne Licker. Thank you very much, Bob. Uh, Wayne, you can be found on Twitter. I can, yes, and that's WayneL84. And Del Muir. Pleasure as always, Bob. Uh, Del, you're sort of on Twitter, but sort of not using it anymore. I, I think just, it's there. If you want to follow me, you can follow You're not going to mess much. So. No. no. There we go. At Del underscore Muir. Is that right? That's me. That's the one. Anyway, yeah, that's that. Uh, yeah, big month this month. Uh, volume one, if you've not heard it already, uh, WCW covering Bash at the Beach, Hulk Hogan's heel turn, probably about double the length of this show, such how long we went. Uh, volume three, ECW, that's Del and Chris. Del, was it, uh, Heatwave? It was, Heatwave 96. Yeah. Again, similar to WWF, not too much, but always, always an interesting lesson. Yeah, there's there's enough going on, let's say that, enough bubbling under. And Volume 4 is all of your USC action, the debut of Mark Coleman at UFC 10. Uh, that'll do that. Uh, yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Boybamba. You can find the podcast at Wrestling20YRS. Wrestling20YRS.com is where everything is, really. All of the links exist on there for back episodes, blogs, uh, everything you need, really. Uh, and that'll do that. I've been Bob Bamba. This has been Volume 2 of the July 1996 edition of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast and until next time goodbye